0: Well, let's celebrate being in church together this morning. Can we just celebrate that? So good to be together as a family. If you're with us online, we love you, our online community. You guys might know or might not know if you're here. There's about 300 of you guys that join us online every week. So uh, thank you for being with us as well. It's an exciting week. If you're new to ACF, uh, I'm just excited that you're here. Um, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're starting a brand new series called Search History. But before we get into that, um, coming up, just something I want to bring to your attention is Compassion Week. So at the end of this month, I want you to just mark in your calendar, maybe on your phone, set a reminder, don't miss church the last week of January. It's going to be a huge week for us as a church. Uh, Many of you know we are partners with Compassion International. And what we do is we sponsor children. Currently, ACF sponsors over 400 children in Burkina Faso. And this sponsorship really changes the life of a child. It provides medical care for them, food for them, biblical training for them, and helps them prepare for a future. And I'm just telling you, I have seen the work firsthand, and it's incredible. I mean, even just down to these young moms, there's something called the Child Survival Program, where it helps these young moms figure out how to just take care of their children. Something that we take for granted here, uh, where these, we have training and understanding of how to, how to keep Uh, our children alive, these young moms don't even know how to do that many times, and so we're able to send them the help they need, and it's literally saving lives, and so we're really excited. We're starting a brand new partnership in Cusco, Peru at the end of this month, and I'm hoping to see us sponsor 300 children in a community, and it's just going to be a blast. Really excited to share more about that with you. Also, just to touch on, you'll hear more about it at the end of the service, but this is uh, Crash Course Sunday. So right after this service in this room at one o'clock is Crash Course. And if you don't know what that is, Crash Course is just simply a way for you to grow in your faith, to hear more about ACF, to ask some questions about our church, and to help you go from really being a church attender to a family member. If you've ever felt like, man, I'm just showing up to church. I don't feel like I'm part of the family. This is your next step. Uh, Even if you've been here for 10 years and you're like, I don't know where to move. This is your next move. It's a great way to get resourced for that. But just for a moment, I want to just give this time to God. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this moment that we have together. Thank you for your word that we can come to you and understand you deeper. God, we ask that you'd be present in this moment. We know that you're here, God, but it's us that gets in the way. We, we many times don't, don't have the ability to hear because of all the distractions. So God, I pray you just push away the things that are distracting us right now. Keep us from missing the point of this morning, And I pray, God, you'd convict us where we need conviction. Uh, I pray you'd encourage us where we need encouragement. But God, more than anything, that we would have an experience with our creator, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. So as I said, we're starting a, a new conversation here today called Search History. This is going to be eight weeks as we get into this. And we thought it would be a great way to start our new year by digging a little deep into some theology and to understand what we believe. And so uh, I kind of made a vision statement for the series. And, and so Search History is a series where we, we will help build and deepen the foundational beliefs that direct our lives as apprentices of Jesus. I don't know if there's anything much more important that we could talk about than that, just to actually get back to the foundation of what we believe, because whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or for 50 years, there are some things you don't understand about God, as well as myself. There's some things we just don't, either we, we don't understand them or we have misconceptions about God and about what it means to relate to that God. So uh, what theology is, if you don't know what theology is, it's simply what we think about when we think about God. It's, it's 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 kind of grid work to 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 run everything through to understand what we believe and so just to kind of prepare you, uh, it's going to be like going to school today. So get ready for that. Uh, buckle up here. Uh, we're going to dig and we're going to get into a couple different scriptures and and at the same time we're just going to touch the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be so much more that uh, I want you to be talking about together with your friends around a cup of coffee later on this week, but. So I'll start with this. I I can think of many times in my life where I've met famous people or seen famous people, like in the airport. Maybe you've seen famous people before, and there's a few reactions that you might have when you see somebody who's famous. Uh, But oftentimes my reaction is disappointment. Right? Because I'm always like, I thought they'd be a little taller than that or a little better looking than that. Or, you know, maybe it's not a good hair day or something. But, you know, sometimes we, we see people from a distance. We know them on the Internet or on TV, but we've never actually seen them in person. And often what, time, what we'll do is we'll say, hey, there is so-and-so in the flesh. Right? There they are, like the real so-and-so in the flesh. Well, this morning, I want to deal with probably the most important question you will ever ask. And it's it's this who is the real Jesus? Like who is Jesus really? Who is he? And we're going to talk about what it means to be introduced to a Jesus who shows up in the flesh who actually, I think, reframes the way that we see God. Because again, we have many caricatures and misunderstandings about who this God really is. We've seen him from a distance. We've maybe heard about him in church or, or read a few Bible verses, but somehow we've never actually encountered the real Jesus. And so that's what I hope to do in just a small way here this morning. And the theological term that we're going to unpack today is the word incarnation. Incarnation. Incarnation, which literally means in the flesh. In the flesh. Now, when you hear incarnation, I don't know what you think about. I hear I hear that word and I think like carnation, hot chocolate, or something like that. And my mind goes a completely different direction. But it's just a term that means in the flesh. And in Philippians chapter 2, we read this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Always good advice, right? Who being in very nature a God did not count or consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So another like 10 cent theological term is the word kenosis. This is the kenosis passage, which the word kenosis just means emptying, to be made nothing. And that's what this passage says is that the God of the universe became human, took on flesh, made himself nothing for us. And so I'm going to talk about a few really important things. Some three, I would say three key beliefs about the real Jesus. And if you want to take some notes, I would encourage you to just write some things down. You'll probably have some questions that come up. Uh, You can also download the ACF app and uh, these will be there as well. But the first one is this, is that the real Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was fully God and fully man. Another 10-cent theological term uh, is the term hypostatic union. You can go use that one this week with your friends. Have you ever thought about the hypostatic union? Answer, no. I don't know what that means at all. It it simply is the union of God as fully God and fully man. He wasn't 50% God, 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% human. And if you feel like your brain's going to explode with that concept you're not alone, okay? it just It's a hard one to get your mind wrapped around, and people have struggled with it for centuries. It's been a massive challenge. In fact, a little history for you, uh, because people have always challenged this theology, that God was fully God and fully man. In fact, the first group to challenge it was the Gnostics in the second century, And the Gnostics, they had this belief that, it's kind of a Greek belief, that anything bodily was actually kind of sinful. So pleasure was sinful, your body was sinful, physical things were sinful, but God, he was transcendent and holy and so different, right? And so they didn't believe that Jesus was truly human when he came to earth. In the third and fourth centuries, we have Arianism, and they believed that the incarnation was total, that God became only fully human, but not Fully God anymore. In the eighth century, uh, Spain and France were the centers of the Adoptionist controversy. And Adoptionism taught that at the birth of Jesus he was human, but then at the baptism of Jesus he underwent this like second birth and then became the son of God. Then we've got even closer to us, like in the eighteenth and nineteenth century, where people just believe Jesus is a myth altogether, right? Like, I, we don't even believe that he existed, right? He's, he, he's like, a, like just a fairy tale among many other things. But as you look at people that are just honest, intellectually honest and historically honest, there are a few things that are undeniable, whether you're a Christian or not here today. The first is that Jesus actually existed, okay? So he's not made up. He's not a fairy tale. Historically, he actually lived. The second thing is that he was a great teacher, like a really really good teacher when when he would teach people would listen they wanted to hear from Jesus and the third thing is that Jesus sparked the largest global movement of faith that has ever existed so these are undeniable truths about the real Jesus you got and you got to deal with that depending on where you're at with God of like if you don't believe in him then why did his followers abandon him the night that he was crucified because they didn't want to be associated with this criminal. They, they thought, well, he's certainly not the Messiah we thought he was. And then those same followers just a few days later were willing to go and give their lives for the message of the gospel, for the message that Jesus showed up to bring. They went from abandoning him to giving everything for him. And what we believe stands in the middle is the resurrection, is that Jesus was actually brought from death to life, from crucifixion to being alive with us. And and, and he had witnesses, people saw him. And so it started this massive movement of the gospel. And so I don't know where you're at with Jesus, but um, this demands a response, right? And it's been famously said that like Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord, right? Because he taught that he was God, which is a big thing to say. If I get up here and say, I'm God, rip me off the stage, right? Because because that's crazy. But Jesus was actually God. And so, in fact, John Stott, back in the 50s, wrote some stuff about this. And what he said is that one, one reaction that people never had to Jesus in the first century was a moderate reaction to Jesus. That there's no moderate way to respond to Jesus. In other words, like, nobody liked Jesus. Does that make sense? You're like, I've never heard a pastor say that. No, like, you shouldn't like Jesus. You should either give your entire life to him and he is the reason that you exist or you should reject him completely. And so that was the response. Either he was an enemy. They they walked away from him. They ran from him. They fought up against him or he was the Lord of the universe in the flesh because that's what he claimed to be. And so this is kind of the, the reality of Jesus. And if you're like, well, who do other religions think Jesus is? I think that's a good question. Well, To the Jews, Jesus was a rabbi, he was a a, a teacher, and yet he was crucified but not resurrected, okay? To the Muslims, Jesus was born of a virgin, was one of the most important prophets of many other prophets, and they believe he's going to come back as a Muslim. To the Hindus, Jesus was a wise teacher, a lot of focus on wisdom. To the Buddhists, Jesus was enlightened, certainly, Because of all the things that he knew and understood about the about the world, to the new age movement, Jesus is like a life coach, right? He's got some good ideas on how to be a better dad or a better mom or better uh, live a better life, and he's just going to make you a moral person. That's what he does for you. But what's interesting about all the other religions is that they all want a piece of Jesus. Isn't that true? As you look at all, they all want a piece of Jesus. Even I would say in our world today. Although Christianity is pretty controversial, and, and even being, if you call yourself an evangelical, that's a controversial term in our day and age, but Jesus is still doing pretty good on the polls. Like, people still think quite a bit about Jesus. Politicians like to invoke the name of Jesus sometimes to, to kind of leverage their platform, right? And so you might be able to leverage your, your agenda by, by just talking about Jesus, right? Uh, country singers, right? They want to they sing about beer, broken trucks, and Jesus, right? Because that sells some records. And in fact, this week I realized even the toy industry has gotten in on that because, um, put this picture up. Yeah, we have uh, Dashboard Jesus. It's kind of frightening, isn't it? I don't know. It, it It's not the most glamorous image I've ever seen. He's, he's doing the Carlton, isn't he? I don't know, like, it just definitely he's getting ready to dance. But I want you to look at that picture for a minute. Because we're talking about the real Jesus today. And the question is for you do you think you understand the real Jesus? Because if what comes to mind is something like this, when you think of Jesus, it's no wonder prayer is an afterthought when your life is falling apart. It's no wonder Jesus is not the first place you go when you need answers to life's toughest questions. It's no wonder this is just sort of a thing for a little while on a Sunday morning, but in your real life, nobody knows that you're a follower of Jesus. They don't see that your life is any different. You're not inviting people into a spiritual journey. It's no wonder that it's not something that drives the decisions in your life. If When you think of Jesus, you think of Dashboard Jesus or some kind of caricature about Jesus. And so, as we talk about the incarnation, Jesus is God in the flesh. The goal is to get a little bit closer to the real Jesus. Because what we need right now in these uncertain times is the person of Jesus. He brings so much clarity to the confusion that's in our lives. Back to Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Always a good goal. And then he goes on, he says, who being who being in very nature God. Okay, so let's all stop there. He says, Jesus Christ, who in very nature was God. So if you ever wanted a verse that indicates Jesus as God, there is one. Jesus, who being in very nature God. And this word nature is the word morphe, which means an outward expression of the same inner essence. Jesus is the outward expression of the same inner essence of God. And it goes on to say, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Think about that. So Jesus is equal with God. He's existed for all of eternity. He didn't just show up when he was born in a manger, as we read about in the Christmas story. No, Jesus has always existed, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, for all time. And they were doing pretty well for themselves. So God has never needed humanity. This is important that you understand this. We don't serve a needy God. Praise, praise God that we don't serve a needy God that needs me somehow to be complete in and of himself. He didn't, he didn't create us to his own advantage. He wasn't lonely and needed some friends, right? No, God was not lonely. He was complete in and of himself. And he didn't show up to the earth so that he could be served. He showed up to serve. He showed up to meet needs. That's the God that we follow. This is so different from every other religion because every other religion says you have to get to God. Jesus is God saying, I will come to you. I will be with you. I will live with you. I will do anything to right the relationship that we have. He didn't use his privilege to keep himself from his people. In the same way for us, if you know God, If you have a relationship with God, it's not a reason to go isolate from the world. No, that's a calling to go and tell the world about the hope that you found in Jesus. No amens to that, but that's okay. You should. Like anybody, amen. Give me an amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's the calling that you have is to go and share the gospel. If you have hope, you should want to give hope, right? And if you have any hope, which I hope you do, if you're a believer, you should be filled with hope. Then you have something to give the world. John 1 it says, in the beginning. You ever heard that before? At the beginning. Yeah, that's right. Back at the beginning, it says, in the beginning. He's referring to Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in this text, the word Word is the word Logos. And Logos is simply defined as the divine reason. So I'll read it again. So it'd be like in the beginning was the divine reason and the divine reason was with God and the divine reason was God. And it's interesting in in John's time just like in our time everybody was looking for a divine reason. Everybody's looking for a reason to live. Do you have friends right now that are like wondering why they're here? They're like why do you even have the job that I have? I hate going to work or 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 why do I even exist? I'm just trying to go from weekend to weekend and Trust me, if you don't know if your hen- friends have these questions, you've got to have some deeper conversations with your friends. Because they have these questions. You have these questions. You want a divine reason. He goes on in John 1, The word became flesh. The divine reason became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Who's he talking about? Church answer? Jesus, right? You guys are sharper than the first service. They were crickets on that one. So (laughs) Jesus, right? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus, if you've ever wondered about your divine reason, if you've ever wondered, like, why do you exist? Jesus is why you exist. He gives clarity to the reason that we are here. John is making a massive point here, and I think it's this, is that you won't find the meaning of life in principles. You'll find it in the person of Jesus. If you're confused today about why you're living, if you're like not sure about your future and you're feeling anxious about where you're going and you're just wondering like, man, you're feeling all this stress about your existence and about this next year, you need to come back to the person of Jesus. And this is so important for us because Jesus didn't show up just to give us some good principles, some tweetable quotes, right? Something for your TikTok or your Instagram just to put on there with a picture of a cup of coffee. No, he showed up to bring himself, right? And so we as a church family, we're not introducing you to principles or good ideas. Although if you read the Bible, you'll get both. We're wanting to introduce you to Jesus because he is where hope is found. It says he made his dwelling among us. I love the message translation, which says that he moved into the neighborhood. I like that better. That God moved into the neighborhood. How cool is that? That's a cool God. He wants to live next door to me. I like that God, right? And this is a big deal because he didn't just show up for a little bit. He didn't just kind of dip his toes into humanity and just come right back out. No, he moved in, made his place, his living, his life with humanity. He got face to face with the darkest of sin. That's our God. Who isn't afraid to get messy, right? I mean, who isn't afraid of our sin and getting messy with us. This is a good God that we worship. Now, I grew up as a military kid. We traveled around a lot, went from place to place to place. And here's what I know. I know there's a difference between living somewhere and moving in. You military people know what I'm talking about? And I tell people this all the time, and and, and maybe you're not military, but you're new to Alaska. I tell people all the time, you need to move in. Don't waste time just living in Alaska. Move in. And what moving in means is building relationships putting your heart out there, engaging yourself in the life of the community, like being fully present. I was talking with uh, Chad. Chad's playing bass this morning and his family is just amazing and they're moving, which breaks my heart because people move from Alaska and I I just I see great people leave and he was just like, man, it just hurts so much. And, and I was like, you know what? That's a good thing because my advice to everybody is always when you move from Alaska, make sure it hurts. If it doesn't hurt, you didn't move in. If it doesn't hurt, you didn't, Make yourself present. If it doesn't hurt when you move, you didn't build relationship. You wasted your time. Make sure if you're here trying to protect your heart, you're not protecting anybody by disengaging from people that you could love. God is a God that moves in. He gets fully engaged with the people that he loves. He is in our lives. That is the God that we follow. And the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh, it, it does a lot of things. I think it gives value to every facet of human life. It gives dignity to people. It shows us that God's plan isn't just to redeem us at a spiritual level, but at a physical level. That God will one day redeem this earth for what it is. Next thing that's, I think, an essential thing to believe about the real Jesus is that the real Jesus existed before the world and is the active agent in creation. So if you have, put, hold your finger in Philippians, we're going to come back to that, but go flip over to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to talk about that for a moment. And the Colossian church was full of a lot of really young believers, much like ACF. We have a lot of young and new believers here as well. And, and many of them were being drugged in one direction or the other. They were either being drug over here to living very religious lives that were disconnected from the heart of God. Or over here, drug into the culture and living no different than the world Around them And to give them clarity, it's interesting that Paul doesn't just start off with a bunch of principles. Here are seven ways to be a good Christian. Here are 12 ways to live an upright and moral life. Here are 20 ways to read the scriptures. No, he, he starts off with Jesus. In verse 15, it says, The Son is the image, it's the Greek word icon, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So Jesus is called the firstborn of creation. Now, some of you are like, uh, question, uh, I don't think he was the first person born. You're right. If <laughs> you're like, that's true, that is true. And what's interesting is that in ancient Eastern cultures, the firstborn wasn't necessarily the firstborn. I get it. Confusing, right? But the firstborn was the person uh, who had in the family who had the greatest authority and who also got the inheritance. Okay? So it doesn't mean that Jesus was the first person born because we would go, well, no, he wasn't. And you'd be right. No, Jesus is the one who has the authority and who gets the inheritance, which means he has an inheritance to give. So just explaining that a little bit. So it goes on. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So think about that. So this Jesus that we're like, oh, I kind of like Jesus. He's a good teacher. No, no, no. This Jesus, all things in the world are subject to his authority. That's cool. I mean, that's good news. If you watch the news lately that you look at what's going on in the world, you're like, do you realize all of that is subject to the authority of Jesus? That is really, really good news. He created everything. Everything is created through him and for him is what the text says. What does that mean? That Jesus is the active agent in creation who created the world Jesus did. And when he created it, it's through him and it's also for him. He takes pleasure in it. He takes pleasure in the world. He takes pleasure in you. You were created by God. That's a beautiful thing. I was talking with my daughter. She's uh, 14 years old and she's a writer. She loves to write. She can sequester herself in her bedroom for 10 hours straight and just like... Just type in. And page after page after page, she's writing these stories. And I asked her the other day, I was like, hey, Cadence, why do you like to write so much? And she said, well, I got to quote her because it was so good. She goes, I like to create a world and then invite other people in to enjoy it. I was like, daddy's going to preach right now. Like, (laughs) this is it. You're going to hear some words. She's like, come on, dad. No, no. And but it was a perfect, this is exactly it. I like to create a world and then invite other people in to enjoy it. Do you know? Do you realize that, that's what God does? That's what Jesus did is he, he created this world in his joy so that you might come and enjoy it. If you've ever wondered, and this is a big question that people search for, is why did God create us? Why is there creation at all? If God is complete in and of himself and doesn't need us, why did he create us? Well, the answer, I think, is that creation is the product of love. Which means, listen, some of you need to hear this today, that you were the product of love. I don't know what happened to your earthly parents. I don't know what your story is, but the incarnational Jesus shows us that you are the product of of love, that God's love within himself overflowed to the creation of humanity. Now, I have three kids. Here's what I know as a dad is that you don't have kids to complete your love. You have kids because you love. Does that make sense? You get that? Like, like I've, I've seen people do this before, and they're like, oh, man, our marriage is all messed up. You know what we should do to fix our marriage? Have some kids, right? The laughing people are the parents in the room, right? <laughs> That's no joke having kids. It gets hard. It does not make it easier. It makes it more difficult. And it doesn't make sense to try to have kids to complete your love, right? I mean, have you ever known a parent who had children to somehow fulfill these unmet dreams in their lives and now there's all this pressure on these children? Or somebody who's so insecure about themselves that they have children just so that somebody could love them and need them? Listen, that may be humanity, and certainly that does exist, but that is not God, Okay? God does not need us. He just loves us. And we are a product of his fully complete and fully secure love within himself. Verse 17, he is before all things. And in him, being Jesus, remember, all things hold together. So you, at a molecular level, are being held together right now by Jesus. You're welcome. Like, that's, that's something important to think about. Do you realize that the earth is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour right now, and you're not flying out of your seat because of Jesus? Because he holds the world together. I don't know if you know this, but your heart beats 100,000 times in a day. And I woke up this morning, I didn't think once, I sure hope that keeps happening. I sure hope Jesus keeps my heart beating just because it just keeps happening. I never think about it. It's just every day. It's beaten away 100,000 times a day. You know who keeps your heart beating? Jesus, right? Like this is crazy that Jesus is literally keeping the universe from imploding at all times. Right? And there's these things that are just laws of the universe that just exist, whether you believe in God or you don't. Like when you hit a baseball, for some reason, it lands instead of flying off into the atmosphere when a plane flies down a runway, all of a sudden it starts flying, which is crazy, right? Like, like why does it fly? Why do my children need a cup of water at midnight? Every night, like, it's just a universal law that children need a cup of water at midnight. Like, there are these universal laws that govern our lives that we depend on for everything. Which means if there are universal laws, that there's a universal law giver. We believe his name is Jesus. Jesus gives these universal laws. He is why the world functions as it does. He is always intervening with the world, which is important for you to hear. If you've ever throughout this week or maybe in the past couple of years prayed, God, why don't you intervene? What are you doing? Why aren't you engaged with my life? God is like, I have never stopped intervening. If I stopped intervening, you would cease to exist. And sometimes we go through life, we go, God, why is suffering? Why is, it, why is it bad right now? Why is there struggle? These products of sin in the world. And we start to accuse God of being a distant deity that wants nothing to do with the pain of his people. And yet we have no idea what God has protected us from. We have no idea what God has protected our children from. We have no idea what God has done in our lives because if he were to remove his hand for a moment, we would cease to exist. God holds the world together. Jesus holds the world together. He's holding your life together whether you believe it or not. And he's way better than you think. He's way more loving than you realize. And he's kept you from more suffering than you will ever, ever know. It goes on and says, and he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Who's the head of ACF Church? Jesus, yeah. I should get some amens to that. Not Pastor Ryan. I am not the head of ACF Church. Jesus is the head of the church. And just like any body, like there are fingers and toes and multiple of other things, but there's only one head. It's not me. Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. It's not me. It's Jesus. He's the head of the church. Wherever the, the head goes, the body goes with it, Right? Unless you've been decapitated, right? That's a bad. That's an unhealthy church that chops off Jesus. So, wherever the the head goes, the body goes. We follow Jesus. Jesus directs the church. It goes. He is the beginning and the firstborn. There's that word again, from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Everybody say all, 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 all his fullness dwelt in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself. All things, whether things on Earth, or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. I want to focus on this idea of reconciliation, because that is why Jesus came. That's the purpose of the Incarnation was to reconcile the world to God, because we have a fractured relationship with God because of our sin. And we all, like sheep, have gone astray, as the text says, right? And we have wandered away from God. And so we know that. So God shows up. He's, he's not just the sustainer of the universe, but he also wants to reconcile the universe to himself. This is really, really, it's, it's the big narrative. It's the big story. We say in Alaska as in heaven is our vision. And, and that's our vision because one day it will be in Alaska as it is in heaven. That's coming. That's the story, the story of reconciliation of things on heaven and on earth together. In harmony, that's what God is doing, which means if Jesus is holding the world together and Jesus is reconciling the world to himself, that every molecule of the world is bent towards healing and wholeness and human value, no matter what you see on the news. That's really good. Every molecule in the universe is bent toward hope, no matter what you see around you, because the one who holds the universe together Has a plan to restore everything. So I don't know how you felt walking into church today if you're like, I feel a little hopeless. I feel like things are getting worse. I feel like I just want to kind of hide myself from the world. No, you have a mission to the world to bring hope to the world because every molecule of the world is leaning towards restoration. And this is really honestly believing that reality that Jesus is the the active agent in creation. It's why there are things in the world that we agree on, even outside the church. It's why we do believe that, that humans have value. It's an important thing. In, in the church, we talk about the imago Dei, the image of God on human beings. And, and, and this is a thing that if you don't want to believe in God, then you have to acknowledge that there's no reason that we should give humans value. There's no reason for it because if there is no universal lawgiver, then there are no universal laws, and there's no reason that you should put on me what you believe. Or I should put on you what I believe. We should all just do whatever we want to do because in the end, it's a waste. This is where the famous Richard Dawkins quote comes from where he says, if there's no design, then there's no good, there's no evil, there's nothing but pitiless indifference. There's no purpose to your life, in my life, or reason to live if Jesus doesn't hold the universe together. But if he does then you have infinite intrinsic value placed in you, not based on anything you have done or ever will do, but based on the sufficient work of Jesus in your life. You can take that to the bank, and you can, you can use that to get through the days where it's just, man, it's hard, because I know it's going to be hard sometimes this week. Back to Philippians 2. It's this idea that Jesus didn't use his godness to his own advantage. It says in verse 7, it says, Rather, he made himself nothing, By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So Jesus went willingly to the cross. He had every right to keep his distance, and yet he didn't. He didn't use his privilege to keep him from his people. He actually used his privilege as a as a way to get to his people. And this is so important because some of you have an image of God that doesn't look much like Jesus. And we, we want to come back to this. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. That's what he says. If you've seen me, you've seen God. So all of our theology of God needs to come back to, does it look like Jesus? Because some of you, you have this theology of God that's like, he just wants to hurt me. He just wants to cause pain in my life. He just wants to cause suffering. He wants me to pay in some way or another. And we just read that, no, Jesus already paid. There's no reason for you to pay. Jesus already paid. So write this down. The real Jesus doesn't benefit from our suffering, but suffers for our benefit. He doesn't benefit from our suffering. There's nothing good that God, who owns all things and has all things, can gain from seeing you suffer. No, he suffers for our benefit. He takes no enjoyment in our pain. Some of you, you call yourselves Christians, but you still follow a karma God. You plunk in bad things, you get bad things. You plunk in good things, you get good things. That's not how God works. This is a God of grace. Grace is that you put in bad things and you get good things. That's the God of grace. Now, are there consequences for sin? Absolutely. Can we make bad decisions that result in bad things? Absolutely. But our God is always lavishing grace on humanity, giving us what we don't deserve. That's the definition of grace, is getting what you don't deserve And this incarnational God comes to the world in the person of Jesus. And here's what it meant. Here's what incarnation meant for Jesus. First, it meant forsaking comfort. Forsaking comfort. Giving up what was comfortable to come to discomfort. Because can you imagine? I, I don't know. Like we don't know anything different than our world. But to be God of the universe and then to live in this world would probably be a little shocking. If you were fully God and fully man. For Jesus, it meant becoming nothing. He didn't show up to the world and say, I'm going to be the richest king on the world. If, if I got to be with these dirty humans, I'm going to at least be the richest one and the healthiest one and live the longest life. No, he shows up, is born into poverty. And, and then he lives as a suffering servant working a blue-collar job, ultimately dying on a cross. So the third thing that incarnation meant for Jesus is choosing sacrifice. We have a God that sacrifices for the ones he loves. He's a good father. Don't you know that a good father is willing to sacrifice for his children? Again, there is no better news. You can research every other faith, every other religion, every other thing to believe in, and I would encourage you to do so. But I promise you, if you want good news, you're going to follow your way back to Jesus because he is the only good news that exists. So if that's the case in our lives, as apprentices of Jesus, our goal is to become more like Jesus. Is that your goal today? I hope you came to church today going, how can I be more like Jesus? If that's your goal, then it means we have to live incarnationally. We have an opportunity to live just like Jesus did. And so incarnational living for us means forsaking comfort. What are you comfortable with that you're willing to give up so that you can look like Jesus to the world? It means becoming nothing. How has your pride slipped in to keep you from the people that God loves on this world? Like, how has your pride slipped in that you've used your position to isolate from God's people or from the people in the world? Is there a way that you need to make yourself nothing and realize, man, I, I am simply walking grace. I'm just walking grace. That's all I am. So there's no way that I could live like I'm... I don't walk into to the room with a swagger, right? Because I'm saved by grace alone. And so maybe you need to make yourself nothing. Maybe it's sacrifice. Incarnational living means choosing sacrifice. Where is it that you can give up something? A little bit of time? A little moment to that person at work? A, a little bit of what you have so that you can see somebody else come to a knowledge of Christ. I mean this is this idea of incarnation really is so important. Think about it. God is comes to earth as a human. If he was only God but not man, then then he would be above us but we would never be able to relate to him. But if Jesus was only man, he he'd be relatable but he'd be no help when my life is falling apart and I need a miracle. Instead Jesus is both 100% God, 100% Man, I love how Michael Spencer puts it. He said, without the incarnation, Christianity isn't even a very good story. And most sadly, it means nothing. Be nice to one another is not a message that can give my life meaning. Assure me of love beyond brokenness and break open the dark doors of death with the key of hope. But that's what the gospel does. Breaks open the dark doors of death. Gives hope. I don't know what you were looking for today. I don't know what principles maybe you were after, but I, I think what your soul was looking for today in church was Jesus. I think what you needed was a moment with Jesus. And if you've been here and you've been sort of like walking away from your faith for a while, maybe you've said that before, you're one step away from just walking away from your faith. Here's what you need to know is that you can't walk away from the real Jesus. You can only pretend that he isn't there. And that's the truth of the incarnation. Remember some friends of mine were struggling with their teenage daughter and uh, she said, I hate you. And if you're a parent, you're like, ouch, that's nothing worse than hearing your child say, I hate you. And I remember they said back to their daughter, you can hate me, but we will always love you. And I think we know that that's the right thing for a parent to say It's like, I will always keep the door open. I will always be available to you. I will always, where you bring hate, I will bring grace. I'm just going to do everything I can to love you despite what you just said. See, if this God that's so much bigger than our broken ability to love our children, God loves us with a perfect love and the door is never closed, friends. Did you close the door to salvation before you even came into church today? Maybe there's something in your life that makes you go, I've already disqualified myself. No, you need to hear this, that if all of God dwelt in Jesus, if all authority of God dwelt in Jesus and Jesus died for the sins of the world, then it was sufficient for you and for anything that you've done and anything you will ever do. So I I don't know how you want to take a step forward here Today, I want to encourage you to just tear off the bottom of this sheet. Find find one of these somewhere around you, and this is a routine that we have as a church: is to just uh, fill out these little action cards. And uh, if you're new to this, all we're going to do is text you that we're praying for you this week. That's all we're doing, and it's just a, a tactile reminder of what God did in your heart. Maybe today you just need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you need to take that first step and say, "Okay, like." I wanna believe that God is really there for me. And and maybe today you're just gonna make that decision and you can make that decision. And I believe if you do, that you have entered into the family of God, that that you can submit yourself to Jesus today and leave this building knowing that your place is secure in eternity with God. Maybe you need to commit to using the search history study guide. Would you find one of those on your seat there? Look around, you should have a study guide. Our team spent a bunch of time putting this together for you. If you're with us online, um, there's gonna be a link to this in the chat. And so somewhere over here, you can find that and, uh, and you can get a hold of that online. But this is just so you can continue having a conversation at home about this topic of incarnation. And we really encourage you to do this because there's so much more to talk about. Maybe you need to confess where you have rejected the presence of God in your life. See, the incarnation means that God wants access to everything. He's not just a God up there. No, he's a God in here. He's with you. And so is there a part of your life that you're like, I have disassociated this part of my life from Jesus. Maybe like if, if, if we saw you at work, we wouldn't even recognize who you are because you just switch into work mode and it's all about the business, but you forget about the people. And you're like, yeah, I've kind of kept Jesus out of my work. Maybe it's your sexuality. You've said Jesus has got no business in my sex life, but Jesus is like, no, that's, that's part of who you are. I want access to that part of your life. You can't disassociate that from me. Maybe it's your finances. You've said, "Jesus, no, no, you belong on Sunday morning for an hour." But then there's all this other stuff. You're not big enough for that. No, Jesus says, "I want access to every portion of your life." Is there part of your life that you're like, "I want to"? Scared me, almost dropping this thing. That you want to like give Jesus access to. Maybe that's that's you tonight. And maybe the last one for you is to make your association with Jesus clear to someone this week. If uh, your friends and family don't know that you're here on Sunday morning, don't know that you have a church. Maybe it's as simple as right now. You're just sharing the message on social media and say, hey, come join me. I'll save a seat for you next week. I'm associated with Jesus because that's what the incarnation means is that the God of the universe is willing to associate with a, with a sinful humanity to the point of being willing to die for them. So there's good news for you today. Would you stand up? I want to pray for us. We'll close in worship. Father, we ask that you would continue this work in our hearts. We come to you uh, acknowledging our inability really to grasp so much about who you are. Father, we are finite and you are infinite. So God, we humble ourselves today asking you for a deeper understanding of the person of Jesus. Help us to walk out of here with a deeper understanding of your grace. God, how could you love us? And yet you do. And beyond that, how could you choose to use us? And yet you do. Father, give us this overwhelming sense of gratitude today. Father, for the man or woman today who just needs to step from darkness into light, who needs to make you the Lord of their lives, God, I I pray this would be the moment they would receive your grace for the first time. God, thank you for ACF. We know there's a God, that the harvest is plentiful in our city, that people are desperately in need of your grace. We pray that we would be able to share that with them freely and openly this week. And we pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.